With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everybody, I'm the big fun wizard, and here we've got my co-host. I'm the tiny scrappy bruiser. I'll stab your shins. <laughs> I'll stab them clean off. Artists formerly known as Holden and Jake, and today we will be talking about Hit It! <gasps> oh, we're getting funky. <laughs> By the heaving bosoms of Hera. Waiting for you. From the world of Themyscira. In your satin tights. Fighting for your rights. And the old red, white, and blue. Hell yeah. Bit of a sexy jingle uh, on that song. Oh, now, we're, we're done? Okay. Jake, in order to talk about this, first I must ask you the question. Are you a sub or are you a dom? Oh, I, I'm a switch hitter, man. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll give it out and I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll give it as well. A switch for a Nintendo Switch for me. <laughs> Marcus? I'm also a switch hitter. Yeah, whatever, okay. the, whatever the lady likes. Whatever the juice <laughs> is loose. Actually, I shouldn't say the juice is loose because then people will think about uh, that horrible murder that happened. <laughs> I'm a pretty good dumb, though. <laughs> pretty good pretty good at it. I think I'd side more towards a sub, personally. Oh, would you now? Oh, yes. It just depends if the handcuffs are fuzzy or not. That's my line. <laughs> you know, I got the whole I'm a big baby thing going on, so I think I'd no, be more boo, of, a, of a sub. Um, I initially didn't know a whole lot on this one. So I, what was your opinion on Wonder Woman before you started the research? Well, what did when you when we think of Wonder Woman outside of like getting into it? What is your what are your thoughts? I always felt like Wonder Woman kind of played second fiddle to Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. I thought that she was always kind of you know, and that makes sense because the TV show was quite popular, but she never really had a big movie yet. Um, or anything like that. It was sort of like she was there and also like her actual abilities were weird to me. You know, the wrist things and the, the, the what do you call them again? The, the um, bracelets. Bracelets. Jeez, bracelets. I, I mean, they're supposed to be like bracers or gauntlets, <laughs> but in the yes. original books, they're bra- they are canonically bracelets. They call them bullet deflecting yeah. bracelets. And how would they know? Okay, well, we'll get into that. But it's like, if you're in an Amazonian island, how do you even know what bullets are? You Much less that bullets can be refracted from your bracelets. Well, they knew what bullets were when, were when Man's World finally came to Themyscira. Man's World! <laughs> I love, Man's, all that stuff is wonderful and we'll definitely be sliding right into all that stuff. Also, you know, the lasso, the, the whip mm-hmm. situation was like, what? And then an invisible airplane, Jake, what's happening? But I did this research and I learned a lot and I am now like, want to go see the movie and like, um, for better, or for worse. And, uh, want to, you know, j- really the background, the history behind it is almost like the product itself is interesting, but it's so much more interesting when you know the background. Uh, yeah, before, before, I mean, there was like, Hey, did you know, like Wonder Woman had a pretty fucked up story? Like that's like kind of a pop knowledge, but I didn't know the details going into it, but there was, I wanted to get into like the power 
of Wonder Woman because there's so many female superheroes. There's so many. Uh, Angela, obviously, go, come, spawns Angela comes to yes, mind. Yes, spawns Angela. You've got um, Witch Woman. Uh-huh, uh, Kaplowy Girl. Like, so many of these heroes <laughs> are like... Mrs. Hamburger. So many female <laughs> heroes are just like lost to time or just like half-assed or uh, or the most, uh, n- the most like memorable non-Wonder Woman female superheroes are usually just like kind of off to the side in team books or they're literally just the male versions of i mean the female versions of exist like batgirl spider woman all that stuff lady Super spider Girl, yeah. yeah all that stuff um miss spider Sp- the spidera all of it so i wanted to know what was it about wonder woman that actually made her stand as part of this dc trinity because yes she's there like she is second fiddle but she's always like but she's still been the one you know she's still been the 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 lady superhero like the one and the one i think that actually stood specifically as an inspiration for young women for feminists um uh more of a figurehead uh for that as opposed to like sexy catwoman because all the men get distracted by the boners they're having and then sexy catwoman murders them you know what i'm saying or like you know bad girl exactly girl too right girl instead of woman you know um as well so you sort of have this kind of like they're just the assistant or whatever Mm -hmm. um but yeah wonder woman like and her abilities and i think that what they symbolize too is very interesting so all you gotta do is just scamper your mind all the way back to the women's suffrage movement in (laughs) that's the sound of scampering (laughs) (laughs) historical scampering yes historical scampering (laughs) uh we had to put the way way back machine yeah, uh, we had a bit of an issue with the way we way back machine. We threw it machines. into a volcano. Hopefully, <laughs> it's done. I was into the way way back machine, but then it turned against me as well, <laughs> which was tough. And I woke up from a deep sleep, and it was about to put a cigar out I on war- my forehead. I warned you about that damn machine. I know you warned me. I said no, let it stay with me. I can curb it. I can, you know, I can uh, tame the beast. But instead, alas, the Way Way Back Machine. And boy, did it explode <laughs> when we blew it up. Um, so back in time to the women's suffrage movement, Jake. Uh, turns out for a long time, uh, women couldn't vote and were not quite people. <laughs> there you go. But uh, this was one of the major political movements of the uh, early 20th century. And uh, the creator of Wonder Woman, a, a a William Moulton Marston. William Moulton Marston, his pen name Charles Moulton, born on May 9th, 1893. A very... 1893. S- well, you heard that. 1893. 1893. Because, I mean, I'll bring this up later, but the man died in 47? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and he was really the, the, the masthead of this whole situation. He was educated at Harvard University. Uh, he he was a super scientist. He was uh, in a lab. He got uh, hit with an X-ray that made him really good at sort of writing women comic book characters. That's that's a lie. That's that <laughs> did not happen. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now. Uh, so the thing you have to understand about uh, William Marston is Molten Marston. It's gonna. It's one of those mealy mouth names. Yeah. Uh, is this is the early 1910s. And psychology, specifically what he was studying, experimental psychology, was this insane new field of study that uh, was going into, like, the American war machine and pop psychology and business. And we were just beginning to get an understanding of the human mind. This is still the era where people are learning about, like, where Freud and Carl Jung are, like, you know, not discredited Austrian weirdos that just got coked up and talked about fiddling your dad. Like, these are cutting-edge gazes into the human psyche. Shoes were made of wood. Trees (laughs) were made of rubber. It was a different time, people. I'm... what I'm trying to say is, like, this was a very, very new field of study, and so you could do some pretty insane shit and have some pretty insane ideas because this was unmarked territory. Now, did he come up with the disc theory around this time, or was that a later development? So his first, his first uh, major discovery, his the first thing that really uh, put him on the map, besides being a highly achieved uh, sco- psychology scholar, 
was uh, he helped invent the uh, a lie detector. Yes, he helped mm-hmm. with the lie detector. Now, not order- a polygraph. Not a polygraph. Uh, he specifically worked with systolic blood pressure. Yes. And how uh, supposedly from a suggestion from his wife, Elizabeth Holloway Marston, who was also- An incredibly instrumental human being in this entire story. We must introduce her here and now when it comes to this mm-hmm. lie detector test invention. Uh, a lifelong suffragette and a women's rights advocate. I think they got married in Harvard. Uh, well, she couldn't go to Harvard. Again, women had a, had a, t- had a, had a go of it. Men had different eyes back then. They mm-hmm. saw them as not, not them. But uh, together, almost hand in hand, even though her name wouldn't appear in any real credit until much later, uh, the idea that uh, the state of, uh, of stress and arousal that happens when lying could be detected by a uh, by a blood pressure machine. A rise in the blood pressure, right? She said when she got mad or excited, her blood pressure seemed to climb. And that gave uh, William the idea to sort of pursue it in terms of this lie detector uh, situation. And the thing you have to realize, too, is that she, like, is she gave him all the ideas. Yeah. So it's like, and you'll see that uh, throughout this whole thing. Like she, she should be like credited as a co-creator of Wonder Woman to a certain degree, according to certain documentation. Um, now, and, here's something interesting: mm-hmm. the American government was very interested in this machine and this technique because of World War One and all the international tensions uh, leading up to World War Two. But uh, unfortunately, they could not replicate the same success. Moulton Marson had in in when he administered the tests, and it kind of just became a fact that because it wasn't replicable, and because half of the proof that it worked was just his own natural like charisma and intuition and force of will to like read the results and be in the room and look the person in the eye, that drastically shifted whether or not the lie detector was quote unquote effective. Uh, and uh, the when you think of a modern lie detector, that's known as a polygraph because that's measuring a, several different things, which is blood pressure, heart rate, skin galvanic response, which is actually kind of what ha- uh, I think e-meters run on that technology, <laughs> Scientology e-meters. Every time you lie to, your bones scream, and it also <laughs> recognizes that, screaming bone syndrome. Uh, <laughs> hold in. Is that why you always tell the truth? <laughs> <laughs> ah! Yes, um, yes, it is. And also, by the way, I would like to mention that he concluded that women were more honest than men, and this is going to come up later. And of course, even though it's not directly been said by anybody, um, uh, connected to the creation of Wonder Woman, you have to think that the lasso of truth was was just <clears throat> v- at least in some way inspired yes. by his work in this sense. And also, we had this whole thing called the disc theory, in which uh, you you had essentially a, a graph where people centered on four different traits: dominance, inducement, submission, and compliance. And um, This was super interesting. It was sort of all about how people are, and it's all based on how people are either in a favorable place or an unfavorable place. They are in control or have a lack of control. And it's sort of digging into this whole sort of submission domination kind of um, thing uh, that obviously was in his sort of sex life. And you have to understand that we're going to be talking about sexuality a lot in this episode. I mean, we're going to be straight up just talking about fucking for the next half an hour to 45 minutes. If you're in the car with your mom... Um, definitely maybe turn this off, but if you're not, in the, I'm, there's I'm, a distinct lack of fucking in the <laughs> Wonder Woman universe. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. She was I'm just made out to, of clay. But if you say you're going to talk about it, they'll tune in more. Oh, yeah. Boner ahoy. Yeah, right. We're going to be screaming about boners <laughs> for the next half an hour. So listen up, kids. <laughs> We're about to foghorn your leghorn because you're aboard the SS Erection. Oh, my God. Everybody's dick just came out. I can't believe it. All right. But it didn't actually happen that way. We're, we're, uh, but, but, no, for, uh, thing about the disc system, uh, he did get into sexuality and gender relations in the book. And it is kind of interesting that he saw the, uh, kind of world through that lens. And, uh, it also, again, suggested his belief in female superiority. Yes. And a sincere belief, especially considering the horrors of war that, uh, humanity began to see itself capable of in the uh, 20th century uh, that 
female control, like submission to a loving leader rather than a warlike leader is the path forward for peace on earth. And uh, despite all the weird sex stuff, which, by the way, was 20 years before the Kinsey scale. This is like cutting edge stuff. Yeah. But again, it's experimental psychology. So, like, you know, we also have like the Oedipal complex as accepted fact. Like everything is kind of Wild West. But the Mm -hmm. disc system survives. As we speak, there are people giving seminars on the disc system because all this theory about how to control people and how to make people happy and submissive is a fucking money racket in the corporate world. Yes. You can, like, right now be a consultant and assess people using the disc system, and several companies still use it for new hires. It's like the Myers-Briggs for fuck lords. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm going to also bring up here uh, a certain lady named Olive Byrne. She is a very interesting character. And what you have to know about Mr. Uh, Molten Marston and what you just said about submitting mm. to to kind of the women, the woman and everything, she he was in a working polyamorous relationship. By whatever accounts I have, and the only reason why I say that it's a working polyamorous relationship, I'm not sure. I wasn't in the room mm-hmm. when they were getting it. But I will say this. After he passed away, they continued to live together. Olive Byrne and 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 um, uh, Elizabeth Holloway Marston and William Moulton Marston all lived together. They, when people asked, they 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 just said she was like a, a a widower that was like living with them. Supposedly, well, Olive Byrne was William Marston's student, student, and then later ten years her junior, and then later junior. an assistant. Yeah. And uh, supposedly, after the two had fallen in love, William Moulton Marston went to uh, his wife, Elizabeth, and said, There's so- I've, I must tell you, I have met someone extraordinary, and I want her to live with us. <laughs> and supposedly, Elizabeth, That's all you gotta do. Elizabeth <laughs> took a very long walk and made like, a very big decision in her life wow. and said, okay. And... Uh, supposedly the kids from the relationship, but she had, uh, they had, there were two children with Elizabeth and two children with uh, Olive. They said it was very happy. There were always adults around. Each individual adult in the relationship was free to pursue their careers and intellectual uh, uh, pursuits because there was always like- They had that much support. They had to try it around. Supposedly there was a a third woman who lived in their attic but she suffered from mental problems Ah. and uh, died alone in an old age home. Ah, that'll happen. And apparently after William died um, Olive Byrne and Elizabeth Holloway lived out the rest of their lives together. And that's the reason why I say it was sounded like it was a totally healthy working polyamorous relationship back in the fucking 40s um, and early 20s. And and, and, um, on top of that they, you know, they, they lived together until Olive died and then Elizabeth lived on for a bit longer. So, I mean, if you could imagine, um, also it's a good idea as an investment to find a younger lover to bring into the relationship <laughs> so that if one of one of the two will die first, That's, you got somebody else to keep it going. You, you did not just extol the merits of a backup hole. <laughs> you did not just do that. That is terrible. And so Olive, and back in college when they first met, Olive introduced Mr. William Moulton Morrison to um, sororities and baby parties. Now, have you heard of a baby party before? I did not get into baby parties in my research. Oh, you missed the F out, Jake. I got all up in some baby parties. (laughs) Please. Apparently what it was was all the freshman girls are compelled to attend this. It's like a hazing thing. They're all dressed like babies, right? All the little freshman girls. And then they lead them into a dark room and they punish them. And it's totally this weird sexual I mean this dude whoa 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 are you talking about a hazing ceremony in the Greek system that was oddly sexual and <laughs> fucked up <laughs> I won't hear it <laughs> from uh, Jill Lepore who wrote mm-hmm. the secret what is it the secret world of uh, origin of Wonder Woman I have a quote here um, it said the freshman girls were led into a dark corridor where their eyes were blindfolded and their arms were bound behind them then the freshmen were taken into a room where juniors and seniors compelled them to do various tasks while sophomores hit them with long sticks. And uh, Charles got to go, or William, Charles is a pseudonym, he got to go and watch. So you know he was blasting in his pants 
minutes probably every 15 <laughs> seconds and just like loving just all this research you know just flipping out over it and he's got this girl he's like super hot on you know oh, yeah. I'm sure the yeah, wife wasn't me. into that yes data it's <laughs> just data and there's even an uh, issue that Marston wrote um, where uh, uh, a character Dr. Psycho mm-hmm. uh, in the Wonder Woman comics is forced to participate in sorority hazing rituals and that's in Wonder Woman number five so yeah it's um uh he was definitely learning a lot about the whole it was all about like the fact that wonder woman came from interest in sub and subbing and dom relationships all that stuff because it's all about bondage she gets you know she has those wrist things but she gets uh he wrote in a thing where her weakness is you could shackle them together and then she'd have to break free. You've got the lasso of truth. That's another bondage thing that wraps around you um, and forces you to speak the truth. I mean, it's all there and it's all red So these hot. are the two. This is where the weird internal pressures, the fault lines in Wonder Woman uh, kind of come from. Because in addition to all of these, the sexy shenanigans, uh, Olive Byrne was a brilliant psychologist within her own right. Oh. Hit my microphone. <laughs> and if she you was, could have been here to see it. And it was very she was funny. a noted uh, supporter of first wave feminism to the point where her uh, aunt was Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And who her, had been repeatedly arrested. This was a incredibly exciting and turbulent time. Yeah. Olive, in Burns, American Olive Burns' mother opened the first birth control facility in the U.S. With Yeah, they were sisters. They were sisters. Margaret How Sanger cool and, um, that? and that ended up becoming Ethel Planned Burn. Parenthood. That's amazing. Um, so I love how tied up because it's like this awesome feminist, mm-hmm. like front woman character. Um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at least they, they they did their best to make her feminist. We'll get into how yeah. it wasn't at but, times, but but it, it, the background is so awesome that that you know it was a polyamorous relationship, two women that he was wanting to be submissive to to women that that you know Olive Burns' mother started Planned Parenthood. Like how how amazing is this? So that's the tension though is. He's surrounded by all these incredibly capable women. He has these revolutionary ideas about how literally the female mind will liberate the world from war. Yes. But also he's just kind of a perv. Yeah. He's just kind of a perv that likes girls getting all tied up and struggling. It's all fun, right? ah, mm, (laughs) Ah, Yes. Yes. The future. Like it's, it's such. Lexi loves it when she ties me up and I go goo ga. (laughs) We're not, we're baby. We're, I swear to God, if you mentioned baby parties. Oh, baby parties. We're doing a whole episode on baby parties. So 1940, uh, interview October 25th 1940 an interview for the Sam family circle family circle is like one of those better home style magazines mm-hmm. that you would find they stocked it in the Piggly Wiggly and I just wanted to say Piggly Wiggly because it's my favorite supermarket ever Marcus I like Skaggs what Stu Leonard's idiots <laughs> <laughs> so he did an interview that was called don't laugh at the comics where Marston said that he saw a great educational potential in comic books well there was a publisher that paid attention to that interview because but- specifically at this time comic books were this emergent new art form uh, Superman and yeah. uh, Captain Marvel and Batman were all like selling millions of copies to, to kids to kids impressionable kids who could learn valuable lessons from these these heroes that they look up up to and this was uh but also superman was kind of fascistic and mm-hmm. all the comics were violent mm-hmm. and uh we're a few years away from frederick wortham and like the actual banning of comics but there was still a bit of pr heat on comics publishers to be more responsible with their audience so max Gaines, he's a, a publisher at um all, all, Ameri- all american publications now i my eyes went crossed learning about how all american comics was a part of a different one that was like national comics or something and then they all merged with the detective comics and that created dc comics this is the mm-hmm. origin of dc comics i literally was like trying to figure out the yeah. exact trail of how that all happened but it's just a lot of mergers it's kind of like how i have a different bank now even though i didn't <laughs> ask to have a different bank i started at first union first union became wachovia and now i'm a wells fargo boy <laughs> it makes no sense to me but that's kind of what happened with these comic books uh yeah um, and uh, he was initially just brought on as a consultant because he was this accomplished kind of famous pop psychologist. His, you know, the disc system was used throughout the throughout the world. It was known. And at the time, what DC Comics? Uh, they had all the All American Heroes uh, before it was DC. We are talking about the Atom, 
The Flash, Green Lantern, and of course, The Gay Ghost. Really? That's a real one? Yeah. Are you sure it wasn't The Grey Ghost? Nope. The Gay Ghost, it turned it turned into, I think, The Grim Ghost, but there's actually an issue of Animal Man where they go to the, uh, what's the name of the zone? They go to the forgotten, the zone where forgotten comic book characters <laughs> yeah, live. It's a fucking awesome story, but yeah, The Gay Ghost is definitely The Gay Ghost there. is yeah. there, and he can't leave, he, he's, by choice, he's not leaving that zone because he wouldn't be able to get over anymore because the, the, <laughs> the term gay is you know means something different now it used to be happy ghost anyways i had a little laugh at that mm-hmm. uh uh but yeah he came in they didn't have a really a strong woman you know well they and just he, they wanted a a better character a a, yeah. po- a initially, positive yeah character. initially it wasn't even about having a woman it was actually elizabeth's idea he just wanted to have a superhero who would triumph not with fists or firepower but with love and then elizabeth turned to him in the corridor <laughs> and she said fine but make her a woman and then she pulled the chain on around his neck. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, fuck, I'm shooting everywhere. Man, boy, I bet the inside of that house smelled fun. Now, um, the uh, artist that he enlisted to help bring Wonder Woman to life is actually just a little, just a quick note. Sure, uh, he didn't get credited, H- right? HGP, uh, yeah, he wasn't credited, but everyone knows he was H.G. Peter. It's a very distinctive visual style, separate from uh, a lot of the early Golden Age comics. Like, if you look at old Wonder Woman comics, they do not look like superheroes. Like, the women all have these, like, weird faces. The men have these kind of lumpy, cartoony faces. Mm -hmm. Uh, The action's kind of more, like, loosey-goosey. But he got his start actually drawing illustrations and cartoons for pro-women suffrage magazines, and that's how he knew to enlist him. And between Marston and H.G. Peter, these were two men, like, older men approaching middle age in an industry where... Uh, it was all teenagers, you know, everyone from uh, from uh, uh, Simon and Schuster to uh, to Stan Lee that we talked about, like Joe Simon, Jack Kirby. Uh, wait, Simon and Schuster's the publisher. Who who did Superman? Uh, 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 Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. Thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please don't dox so, me. So <laughs> you're so mad at us right now, and just stop being mad at us. They right? mad at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, these were grown adults that wanted to do something specifically with an agenda and a, and a unified vision. And on top of that, this is just a little known secret. Uh, while other creators have been spited and like kind of cast aside, uh, DC Comics has taken good care of the Martin Molston, of the Moulton Marston family because uh, I don't know if you know this, a grown ass man with a history of working in psychology and a short stint in the entertainment industry knows how to write his own fucking contract. <laughs> there is a legend that like, especially during the 1980s, uh, the uh, Elizabeth Marston would like kind of just trump up to the uh, New York offices of DC and all the editors would have to hide because that meant they had like shorted her on, <laughs> on uh, <laughs> residuals and she was ready to like, start kicking ass. Oh, amazing. Yeah, he definitely had full control over everything he wrote, and that's actually going to come into play when we talk about Justice Society in just a second. But I wanted to quickly say that for Wonder Woman's design, and also I kind of want you to give us our little overview of the first issue of Wonder Woman, Jake. But uh, uh, one thing I will say about the design, apparently she was modeled after Olive Byrne, Mm -hmm. the lover, and Olive Byrne did wear bracelets that were like the Wonder Woman bracelets. So you really are seeing the mistress in those uh, issues, and, and a lot of inspiration came from that. Also, she had probably... I'm, okay, I'm just going to assume she had a whip, and whenever she <laughs> fucking slapped his butt, his butt or his balls with it, he screamed one, one item of it. He told a secret. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume. Um, but yeah, so walk us through a little bit, because this is, this is where we get into the thing that it's like... It is a feminist icon. She is a feminist. Jeez. She is a feminist icon. All right. And she's not a thing, Marcus, please. I did. You said it. <laughs> and, and, but there's just some weird stuff, Jake. Okay. So, uh, we're going to talk about Sensation Comics number one 
uh, written by, hold on, what's what's his uh, pen name? Charles Moulton, and uh, drawn by uh, Peter. In Wonder Woman's origin, like, quick, like, four-page, like, this is the story, they introduce so many key concepts, including the island of Themyscira, which is where Queen Hippolyta was... Uh, A.K.A. Paradise Island, where the Amazonians, Queen Hippolyta... Uh, as the mother and different different origins depending on which one you you mm. uh, prescribe to and defend to the death at cons she was sculpted out of clay there's um, a giant mythology about how it was founded where like there was a war with Hercules and like a magic girdle that was stolen by the was given by the gods and then stolen and how as penitence for Hippolyta's defeat by Hercules uh, the gods redeemed them and gave them their own island to live separate from man but they must always wear bracelets to represent the chains they once wore but as long as Hippolyta maintains the magic girdle and <laughs> as long as uh, they they maintain peace and like practice uh, you know the, the the height of their intelligence and powers they will be protected until Steve Trevor Steve Damn Trevor. Uh, man's world. <laughs> from man's world. Crash lands and uh the gods themselves, uh, he was trying to bust up a Nazi spy ring whose plan was to bomb U.S. airfields using a robot plane. And of course. But please, Jake, ratsy. <laughs> Those damn krauts. Literally monocle-wearing krauts. Hogan's hero-ass dumpy idiots. Uh, a, a contest is held to see who will carry Steve Trevor back to man's world because the Greek gods literally come down to Hippolyta and say in like these tiny scribbles, oh, well, obviously America is the last bastion of democracy and we pagan gods want them to win the war. <laughs> but she's, okay, so when she goes- So she goes to Man's World. Yeah, now that- Carrying Steve Trevor in her, uh, in her invisible jet, which wasn't always so invisible. Uh, well, she couldn't fly. She could yeah. not fly at the time. Uh, and the point of the invisible jet wasn't really like, oh, there's just a lady flying, like sitting on nothing. It was that it would be pretty rad to see a transparent jet. Yeah. <laughs> like a cool. jet made of glass would just look kind of rad yeah. and suggest a level of technological and what advancements. It, and if it could talk, it'd be really um, cool. <laughs> Wonder what, what would it, it say, Holden? <laughs> I love being in the air. Uh, hey, lady, good good view from up here. He's a sexist jet. It's like the best like situation. You got Wonder Woman just like dealing with this sexist jet. <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman is immediately in love with Steve Trevor, even though they've barely spoken because he's had a concussion the entire time. They love know is love, and the heart wants. What it wants. And that is an unconscious slice of American beefcake, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, so in order to kill time while he recovers in the hospital, she wanders around the streets of uh, any city USA. Uh, old spinsters immediately call her a brazen thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wonder some of the quotes here from what the, from the people in the streets. Uh, okay. Uh Diana goes window shopping. Uh, and this is basically the Wonder Woman costume is... Uh, you know, the, the kind of open, low-cut bathing suit with the open back. And, like, instead of the bikini shorts, she's wearing, like, a frilly skirt. Uh, an old woman just goes, the hussy, she has no clothes on. <laughs> oh, it is certainly an extreme length to attract the public eye. <laughs> At which point, a, a fedora-doffed American man goes, well, they certainly attracted my eye. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, immediately they're, like, selling... That like hachi machi, what a hot tomato! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she's immediately on a stage in vaudeville. Oh, she uh, she foils a bank robbery as you do. Uh, she makes a bunch of pop culture references, which makes no sense because <laughs> she just landed on an island from a magical place. Uh, someone sees her foil the bank robbery, chases after her in his car. She outruns the car. He finally gets her and says, I want to put you on the stage. And so her, like Spider-Man, using his powers to earn money, uh, she also goes on the stage and just blocks bullets with her bracelet, which is apparently the hottest show in town. <laughs> I mean, I'd pay money to see that. Oh, it's est it's established uh, within her origin story that bullets and bracelets is a fun game they play on the Amazonian island <laughs> for fun. 
It is a fun game where uh, the ancient Greek person takes a loaded pistol that they have for some reason. Yeah, where'd that come from? <laughs> uh, and they block it with their bracelets. So that's why Wonder Woman so casually, mm. it's like riding a bike. It is just like raw instinct. You cannot shoot her. And even though machine guns became readily available, she still got it. She finds out in a ludicrously large newspaper headline that uh, Steve Trevor has recovered from his uh, concussion. You know, like, you know, when a single American man recovers for, in a hospital, it's the front page of a newspaper. <laughs> Uh, the vaudeville manager tries to shirk her. There's just so much happening in yeah. this single issue. This is of Wonder Woman. At a- it's not just single issue. Like usually these stories are what, like twelve pages yeah. long, eleven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's literally just e- like everything. pop points in like modern comics that would take an entire issue. They take care of in two panels. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is the most important thing that just blew my mind when I was reading it. I almost like dropped my tablet. Um, she gets her money from vaudeville performing back. She's just a big sack of cash. She runs back to the hospital, at which point she sees her exact doppelganger in a nurse uniform crying because uh, the nurse's boyfriend just got a job in South America and can't afford to send for her. Wonder Woman says, well, golly, I got a big sack of money and you're my doppelganger. Why don't I just buy your identity? And that's how Wonder Woman got her secret identity. Uh, Diana Prince is literally she just was she just bought it off a stranger <laughs> and bought a pair like she just got it is like I'm you now <laughs> now and mm-hmm. that's kind of the uh, the the Clark Kent Lois Lane right. dynamic is Steve Trevor doesn't realize that the army nurse that helps him in his adventures is actually the uh, number one hot tomato Wonder Woman. Mm. So again, she's this figure of strength that like is wowing people from this utopian world where women have created a perfect place. And but then again, like, why won't the boys like me? It's <laughs> such a weird disconnect. It's so bizarre. I also, mean, oh, I'm sorry. I'll end this right. No, no. Uh, yeah. Around the time that uh, William Mar- Moulton Marston was uh, growing up, feminist sci-fi fiction was a huge hit. There's uh, a bunch of books. Uh, Herland is one huh. that are all about uh, ut- literal islands full of women being utopias, full of immortals. And them getting corrupted and having to interact with man's world. Yep. It was all an allegory for the ideal love leader, the kind of wom- woman who should run society. Marston wrote in a in a piece, Wonder Woman, he it's just straight up says, Wonder Woman is psychological propaganda for the new type of woman who should, I believe, rule the world. He said, not even girls want to be girls, so long as our feminine archetype lacks force, strength, and power. Not wanting to be girls, they don't want to be tender, submissive, peace-loving, as good women are women's strong qualities have and i think just using the phrase like that's what a good woman is is Mm -hmm. kind of what you're getting at here like like just the fact that he sort of is still it's still sort of trapped in an old way of thinking women's strong qualities have become despised because of their weaknesses the obvious remedy is to create a feminine character with all the strengths of superman plus all the allure of a good and beautiful woman now, <laughs> is as the series develops, uh, the cast of like Nazi fighting kind of diminishes, especially as the war comes to a close. And the stories, all written by either Marston or part of his triad or his children, or like he's getting ideas from all over the place. He starts incorporating the key ideas of bondage. Every issue, like a new supervillain arrives and creates some sort of elaborate death trap that ties up Wonder Woman, and she has to always break out. It's always that she can free herself, though. That was kind of the other part of it. Also, the Venus Girdle is is allegedly, uh, allegedly, the Venus Girdle allegedly murdered five men in a hotel room. Venus Girdle (laughs) was an allegory for Marston's theory of sex love training, all right, where people can be trained to embrace submission. Through eroticism. Um, which one is issue, fun. I, the, uh, DC put out last year put out like a seventy five year retrospective book. So I've been reading a lot of Wonder Woman comics, especially from this era. And uh, William Marston hates the occult. It's, there's always a lot of like flim flammery with like people tricking uh, using magic. Hmm flim flam to like enslave others and wonder woman telling people to liberate themselves um there's of course the uh, character etta candy yeah who is just a chubby woman who likes candy and that's the joke <laughs> uh, it's it's just it's it's, it's a fun i mean it's, it's like her she fa- likes, she wonder woman's candy. okay fat lady like candy okay <laughs> wonder woman yeah yeah this guy's easier to cut into than a slice of fudge like just every line is like that's my game the, you know. um and also important is steve trevor's presence throughout 
uh, because it shows him as capable. He is always out fighting Nazis. He's always helping with the adventure. He's always, uh, you know, he's always proactive, yet still needs Wonder Woman's help and welcomes it. And it's kind of this end. Not only that, uh, Wonder Woman desires him. So it's always this kind of like, it's kind of this example character for male readers that like, it's okay to like trust a chick. Yeah, <laughs> um, essentially. But it's also a weird character trope because he's literally the damsel in distress in this power relationship. So like, it's very hard to get him to work on the page. But th these comics, because that's okay. This is what I'm trying to say. These early comics are a psychological minefield full of like weird art and weird yes. ideas. It's complicated. It's it's mm. complex. There's not it's it's not clear cut at all. There's a lot of psychology going on here. But it works because it's coming from Marston's unique point of view with a team that like wants to see it through its uh, to its fruition. And on top of that, it was a seller. There would be a few months where uh, Sensation Comics would actually outsell Superman, wow. and uh, there's a you know, and she made it into the Justice Society. Well, another funny thing about that: so she makes it into the Justice Society, but as an honorary member and the secretary. Now <laughs> that is a little again because it wasn't like, Marston what? writing it. So yeah. this is the thing: so Marston, uh, at first it lo at first glance it looks incredibly sexist, but to be a little fair to it, it's because they had to put her on the sidelines because Marston ha wanted total control over her her writing and. And uh, had no time to write for Justice Society. Yeah. He was already writing her in like three different books, apparently, at that point. So because of that, they made her the secretary. And uh, it's like it's like when they're about to deliver food capsules to the soldiers and fight the Nazis, she's like, unfortunately, a secretary, not to remember, I have to remain behind, but I'll be with you in spirit. She's <laughs> like, what? Why? Why do you have to say, who's you, calling? You can rip you, tanks in half. Yeah, you don't need to take the phone calls. It's fine. Just get out there. Um, so, yeah, it's... It, he he's he kept that from happening. Also, amazing crossover, Wizard and Bruiser style. Sandman was an original member of the Justice Society. Listen to our Neil Gaiman episode to learn more about Sandman. Also, another weird thing that kept happening in the books is uh, Wonder Woman's rogues gallery all had like really weird. There's a reason why like there's not really the Joker of Wonder Woman. Uh, her enemies are a lot of times like and women in male drag like huh. committing crimes like there's the blue snowman which is just a woman with ice powers <laughs> who like dresses up as an old mr frost kind of guy uh there's emota or zimota who's like has hypnosis powers but it's just a woman in a turban with uh a goatee <laughs> well she's got cheetah She's got Cheetah and yeah. Giganta. Giganta and who, Cheetah. There's Giganta also is a former gorilla woman who turned into a woman woman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about Angle Man. Uh, Doctor, uh, Doctor, no, not Doctor Psycho. Doctor Psycho is a Doctor Psycho is one of her villains. Is though. one of her villains. Yeah. But Doctor Poison himself. is a turns out to be a woman as well. well what about Doctor Cyber? Oh, we'll get to Doctor Cyber. And yeah. they and they started the super group, the Doctors, which is a very <laughs> strong. I mean, Ares was pretty cool. Ares is pretty cool, uh, but that's you don't you nobody made Ares like the uh, Homer the the Odyssey whatever. So, <laughs> oh, okay. So the book does well for a for a long time, quite well, and and becomes a feminist icon. All that good you know, stuff. young you know she's on merchandise. She's you know she's part of the comics canon. So if you are a young girl growing up in this era, this very uh, you know the nineteen forties. Uh, you are looking up to Wonder Woman. She is basically your sole totem of female empowerment. Unfortunately, uh, all good things come to an end, and uh, William Moulton Marston drops dead of polio in 1947. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Done. Out. Over. And, and so other people take over the, the comic book as it moves into the Silver Age. And this is kind of where... Um, they kind of lose the thread on what to do with her because it's this, you know, she's this avatar for a very specific worldview. And when given to new writers, they don't have that background. They don't really have that, uh, you know. They're not going for anything specific. They just have this lady fighter. With oh, she's like a lady Superman. I yeah, got it. Exactly. Um, well, so we did it. I mean, we did have some interesting things. And 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 this is when um, kind of Gloria Steinem comes into play. Wait, wait, um, hold on. Model uh, feminist. Sure, sure. Uh, so... In the 1950s, this is where we're getting, like, Silver Age Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. They go into the history of Wonder Girl and Wonder Baby. Uh, <laughs> they start doing a lot of things where Wonder Woman isn't, like, in her jet, but she can jump really high. And there's always a convenient air current nearby. Mm -hmm. So she's, like, flying more, even though she can't 
fly. Huh. And by the time we get to the uh, 1960s, it basically the uh, romance comics are becoming more popular. Spy fiction is becoming more popular. And a young Denny O'Neill, who was, who's done landmark comics work, including the weird panel where a black man yells at Green Lantern for not solving racism. <laughs> um, they just no, Green Arrow Green Lantern is pretty good. Don't knock Green Arrow Green Lantern. Saying he cares about the purple man, but what about the black man? <laughs> um, not the purple man from Marvel Comics. That's a different episode. It's different. Uh, that is different. So Denny O'Neill, they... When all was said and done, they lit, they had so little idea of what to do with this character, they stripped her of her powers. Within a single issue, yes. Themyscira gets nuked. She, uh, Steve Trevor is in the hospital. She befriends a small Chinese man named I Ching. I Ching to teach her martial arts. The Amazonians move to another dimension, right? Yeah. Uh, so and she and starts she wearing has like to, mod clothes and like swinging. She opens a mod shop. She yeah. opens a clothing <laughs> shop. And... Um, yeah, it, it, the whole thing was apparently supposed to end in her protecting an abortion clinic, which would have been kind of an interesting mm-hmm. feminist sort of take. But before that could even happen, he 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 was out. The the writer was ousted from the project. Um, and uh, apparently, so Gloria Steinem, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. feminist uh, 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 writer, writer writer, she put Wonder Woman on the cover of Miss Magazine in 1972 with the tagline Ms. Miss Magazine with the tagline Wonder Woman for president in costume and protest. She was a- absolutely enraged that she lost her costume, and especially that she lost her, her um, home, I- the the island. Uh, it because- became uh, it's, it's an allegory that yeah. Wonder Woman was stripped of her power and her and her uh, not the not urgency. What's the what's the fancy word? Agency. Agency. Um, the same way that the original first wave feminist movement had kind of been dulled, and the new second wave feminism was arising to try and and try and reclaim that power. Steinem said, uh, Wonder Woman's family of Amazons on Paradise Island, her band of college girls in America, and her efforts to save individual women are all welcome examples of women working together and caring about each other's welfare. The idea of such cooperation may not seem particularly revolutionary to the male reader. Men are routinely depicted as working well together, but women know how rare and therefore exhilarating the idea of sisterhood really is. And so those elements were incredibly important to her and that makes a lot of sense now now I'm thinking more about the home planet being this representation that women can work together and have a better life because they have each other so it's not just about this powerful woman but it's also about her support system and that was sort of built in and and very inspiring for feminists of that time so yeah yeah, the same way that Wonder Woman came into being birthed from the suffragette movement the second wave feminists used her as an icon as kind of as a modern as a modern hero now Uh, around uh, also in the 70s the TV show the TV show which you heard the theme of in the earlier in this episode starring Linda Carter I never watched uh, a single episode I didn't either but uh, you know I can still talk about it (laughs) (laughs) but I finally did watch one for this for this episode Linda Carter was uh, 1972 Miss World USA it aired for three seasons. Uh, Lyle Wagner played Steve Trevor. He was in the first issue of Playgirl, semi-nude. So he was a bit of a hunk in that sense. And um, they uh, omitted certain things like Paradise Island, things like no, that. there's Paradise Island. Oh, there is Paradise Island? Yeah, oh, I yeah, thought that they had uh, omitted that. Just Maybe just some of her origin they kind of left out There's a, a scene bit. of her playing bullets and bracelets. Oh, there you go. So what did you think? Uh, so number one, Linda Carter is an exceptionally beautiful human She's being. Very, I mean, I missed she was a Miss World. She was absolutely no, But like, I mean, I like within the context, I like, oh, now I get all those weird old dudes. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Um, It's like in like, it's the same way that like Christopher Reeve is like, holy shit, that's Superman in the costume. Like Linda Carter is like, holy shit, that's Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. The episode I watched, which was ranked as one of the best ones ever, was from the first season, which huh. was set in the 1940s. They then, in the later seasons, made her into the modern world, huh. where the same actor played Steve Trevor, but he was now Steve Trevor Jr., <laughs> uh, which is very weird. Uh, it was called Fausta, the uh, Nazi, the S, the Nazi Wonder Woman, and the entire episode is about how Nazis are trying to steal the secret of Wonder Woman's powers. And it's full of, like, 70s action-adventure TV show shenanigans, oddly paced, you know, really... Every single special effect is like, look how strong this woman is tearing apart 
a styrofoam thing <laughs> that we painted to look like not styrofoam. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, the spinning uh, was originated on the TV show. The spinning to get into costume that was a, a way. That was just the way they figured out to do it, um, and so it kind of stuck. Uh, the craziest thing to me was that the episode ends where uh, this this female SS uh, lady who has plotted and planned and trapped Wonder Woman so well was upset that her male boss was stealing the credit for her work. That Wonder Woman managed to convince her mid-death trap that Nazi ally, those are just labels. Men are the real enemy. <laughs> Which Amazing. is such a like fucking loaded thing. It almost broke my mind. <laughs> uh, now, um, did you want to talk more about any of the more developments as she's gone through? You know, of course, there was Crisis on Infinite Earths, which so, we've talked oh about. My god. Uh, oh my god. Okay, but That's a whole oh, thing. Thing. So, post- I mean, you're really getting a DC canon now. And that's no, no, especially no. 80s DC canon and going into 90s. <laughs> Are we going to get to Zero Hour? Are we going to get to Infinite Crisis? Sure, we can. Yeah, if you want. Just Infinite Crisis, arguably Wonder Woman's finest hour, but that's just my opinion. Okay. Uh, Wonder Woman number one with George Perez is a psychotropic nightmare. The art is so well done, but so dense because he's like rambling so much with all these ideas. Uh, in this version, just just for the fuck of it, just just you know you know just normal ideas that you have when you want to write a superhero story the amazons are the resurrected souls of every woman that had ever died of domestic abuse and wonder woman is like the soul of a fetus that was killed by a caveman yeah it gets real dark mm-hmm. it gets real fucked up uh aries <laughs> is introduced as a more credible threat and is kind of the err you know the lex luther of wonder woman's uh, universe just from judging by the art her hair must take an hour to ink every single frame because that is like every curl is like impeccably done that's perez for you man um it's that honestly if you can find a scan of it or find a reprint of it it is genuinely eye-opening to see like the idea of in a post like oh this stuff is too complicated we're gonna have a crisis in infinite earths and we're gonna make everything more approachable <laughs> to have issue one be this dense and full of psycho bullshit yeah and she ends up also using deadly force and it sort of goes to say mm-hmm. like she could kill she unlike batman or superman she will murder a motherfucker yeah. mm-hmm. 1940s awesome. wonder woman ends with like everyone putting on magical hats and agreeing that peace is okay <laughs> and like 80s and 90s Wonder Woman, she's just cutting dudes in half. It's like the opposite. So do you think, I was going to ask this question, do you think William Moulton Marston would is like rolling in his grave over? I feel like every feminist born or that was active in the 1920s and 30s, if they showed up today, would immediately dive back into the ground. <laughs> like the future is so much more bonkers than what they, like, where's the flying cars yeah. and robot wives? <laughs> Things got weird. You can put weird. all your music in this box. Um, what? Yeah, this little <laughs> box you put all your music in. Also, Wonder yeah. Woman ended up like kind of, there's like this whole thing now where like for a while in the 80s and 90s, like it was always like, I believe in goodness of the peace. And like a cop would be like, get real, there's pedophiles, you daffy broad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the problem with Wonder Woman, I Where's think- Where's your gods when we got crack cocaine on the streets? Like, that was, like, a big deal is, like, gruff men telling her to stop being idealistic. Yeah. And that was, like, weird. Well, comic book-wise with Wonder Woman, is like, she's always amazing in team books. It's just that no writer has ever really been able, in modern times yeah. at least, to be able to write her in a really compelling solo story. Like, yeah. she's amazing in uh, Infinite Crisis. She's mm-hmm. an amazing character in Kingdom Come. But the Justice League cartoon series always did an amazing job with Wonder Woman's characterization. Always. It just seems like that no writer can really find like that Wonder Woman you, story. It's the same problem as Superman because they were both originated right. as kind of these Ubermenchian figures, these like larger than life ideological kind of paragons that were leading humanity to a better place. So you need those other heroes to reflect that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like Superman's always great in like Justice League. Did you check out Grant Morrison's 2016 uh, comic Wonder Woman Earth One? I didn't read that. I, I haven't, that I haven't read comics in like, yeah, like three or four thing, years. Right? Like new comics in three or four years. Um, she's, uh, well, I, that actually leads me into, because there's been debate over sexuality with Wonder Woman. I want to talk about sex desperately again before this episode oh, ends. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, 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 there was always the thing that Wonder Woman feels need not to be labeled sexually that she loves people for who they are and that she is just herself 
Um, she's coming from a society that's only populated by women. So, of course, there's no such thing as being a lesbian or being straight. That's just what it is. In 2016, um, Wonder Woman uh, officiates a same-sex wedding in issue number 48 of uh, Sensation Comics, uh, drawn by uh, uh, Jason Bedauer that might... My country is all woman. To us, it's not gay. Um, it's not gay marriage. It's just marriage, uh, she says to Superman. And then, of course, in Grant Morrison's 2016 comic, Wonder Woman Earth One. That's why I brought it up. Uh, Diana is depicted, uh, or a.k.a. Wonder Woman, depicted as taking on many female lovers. So she's bi, But also in the past few years, she like started a tryst with Superman, which I feel like is I always disagreed with. <laughs> But whatever, it's, it's, what are you gonna they're do? fake people. I mean, there's beautiful moments in Kingdom Come between the two of them. She kissed him, and their lips touching Ooh. sounded like marble scraping together. I kind of hoped that sounds terrifying. I was kind of <laughs> hoping yeah, it's, a, the, it's a terrifying I'm, moment, and I'm glad you did. Because she's flying off to fight the whole fucking gulag. It's very, <laughs> it's a great moment. Kingdom Come's my favorite. I'm glad you didn't talk about the fuck scene that uh, Frank Frank Miller had in Dark Knight Two. <laughs> That's a weird one. I was just hoping that the Earth just moved. I was just hoping that the end of Death of Superman, just like there was just one weird moment where Doomsday and Superman just have a ki- one little kiss. You know what I'm saying? They're just like what? And then they just go back to beating the shit out of each other for fucking eighty more panels. You can't kiss that bony mouth. Have you oh, seen Doomsday? You could soften them bones mm. or make them harder. Um, <laughs> so of course this brings us up to date. We've got a movie coming out. Jake Young. Uh. I I mean, I didn't like Batman versus Superman. A lot of people didn't like Batman versus Superman. So it's directed by him, but it's directed by some. But but the one like the one of the most universal things was that Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was like the best thing in it, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of brings back the original purpose of Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot's a badass. She's by the way. She's a fit Israeli, and Lord knows uh, she was a former Israel Defense Force soldier. That's everyone in Israel. Military. Everyone in Israel. They is have that. to serve. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, she says you give two or three years, and it's not about you. You give your freedom away for a while. You learn discipline and respect. The things I've been through as a soldier prepared me to deal with career things as well. Gal Gadot, smoking hot, really fucking strong. And what's cool is that actually. Makes me want to watch the movie more because, like, watching her be a badass, I, I, I now am convinced she's definitely a badass going in. So, uh, oh, but I just, I just, let me, I just want to finish that. Po- yeah. The point is that Batman vs Superman, the Zack Snyder movie, was so dark and so grim, and Superman's like all pissy and sad, and Batman's all pissy and sad, and Wonder Woman actually stands up at, between the two and are like. No, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to, like, stand up for what is right. We're going to, like, you know, she's positive. She's literally the original antidote to all, like, the fucking dingy, brooding, brooding dudeness yeah. of superhero movies and comics. And I like that she kind of brought that back. Also, the, her movies, I think it's the first uh, female. No, no, that's not true. Uh, never mind. I was going to say something about female director, but uh, Punisher Warzone had a female director. Uh. Oh, so Le- good. Alexi Alexander, I want to yeah. say. Uh, fucking amazing. Well, Patty Jenkins is the director, and she directed the film Monster with mm. Charlize Theron. So that's mm. another great film about a strong with a strong female lead. Well, I've got my issues with Monster. Oh, uh, you do? Listen to this week's last podcast on the left. For, you uh, talk about that? Of course. It's about Eileen Wernos. Oh, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, I've got I've got many issues with Monster. Oh, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're you uh, what do you think? Are you are you interested in seeing this film? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I think but, we're all we're all rooting for it. Yeah. Like we like that's the thing. I want it to be good. Of course I want it to be I, good. Like we all everybody wants movies to be good, but like huh. especially after learning all this history, especially about learning um, in this world, in this pop culture world where like there are very few icons that represent female strength that actually have the pedigree behind it and not some like weird like marketing executive being like, uh, how about how about how about, uh, how about you give it, put some dames in there? And one of them brown ones. <laughs> and that's another thing, too, for, uh, you know, just to open up the doors and say, you know, uh, it, it's an it's a prime, 
prime uh, franchise for someone to step up to the plate and write some really strong material for. I think that it is, would be such a great challenge to any comic book writer out there uh, that is looking to sort of um, get big in the business. I think, uh, you know, we got we to gotta bring her back in a huge way and in interesting, new, fun ways um, in terms of comics, too. I would love to see her, her do some more interesting stuff. That was one of the more heartbreaking things about uh, researching this is that, you know, uh, Superman has All-Star Superman uh, and whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, Batman has year, Batman Year One and uh, Dark Knight. And there's no Dark Knight of Wonder Woman. Yet. No. Uh, there's a lot of uh, DC's New Frontier, I think. Darwin Cook's book did an amazing job with, yeah. with Wonder Woman. Uh, the Justice League did an amazing job with Wonder Woman. But there's still not the singular, like, amazing iconic Wonder Woman story, uh, the closest I think we got to it after doing this research is the 19, original 1940s books. They are a trip. If yeah. you can find them, if you can get access to them, there's one where Wonder Woman runs for president in the year 3004 and loses thanks to ballot tampering by Senator Manley. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag resistance. Um, <laughs> but like that's, it's, it's truly an eye-opening and interesting gaze into like the psyche of an age gone by. Yep. Well, I hope shit. You- I forgot to make a joke. <laughs> We're just talking about real interesting shit. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as we enjoyed researching it. I really had a blast. Um, thank you so much for listening. Check us out on iTunes. Write and write a review. Give us a give us a rating. Star it up, pups. Uh, you can catch me on Twitch. Holdenators Ho. I'm streaming full time now. So starting around three o'clock uh, in the afternoon on a lot of weekdays and likes and loves game night eight to ten on Sunday nights. Jake. Uh, children listening. I want you to reach into your parents' purses. You're going to find some little funny pieces of paper in there. I want you to put those pieces of paper in an envelope and send it to 1093 Jackson Avenue. (laughs) Care of Cave Comedy Radio. Just whatever bills you find, just stuff them in the envelope and send them over to 1093 Jackson Avenue. Steal, steal, steal. Long Island City, New York, 11101. (laughs) All right. Thank you much. Oh, and also listen to the end of this week's last podcast on the left for uh, the debut of a brand new Cowman song. Yeah! It's sung by a woman. Yeah! For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug but I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.